Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome. So today, I am interviewing Sarah Rose Whaley. Did I say that right? Whaley? You got it. Yep. She has joyful toddler parenting. She is also a parent coach. She is a board-certified behavior analyst, and she has an MA. She's been in this space for 15 years. She reached out to me on Instagram because we vibe. In fact, we just vibed for about 15 minutes before recording this call. And I was like, oh shit, I should press record. <laughs> so welcome, Sarah. You want to tell everybody about yourself? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. So I most importantly am a mom to two toddlers. I guess technically a preschooler. My daughter's four and then my son is two and a half. But I have been fully in the toddler stage times two. And then, yeah, so I'm a board-certified behavior analyst and a former developmental therapist. And I've been working with families in home for over 15 years and now do the parent coaching virtually, really helping parents to address their own behavior instead of just looking at their toddler's behavior. Yeah, let's dig into that right away because <laughs> I I mean, you guys know I work by now, but even now that I'm parenting, my son is 16 and a half and it always comes back to me. Always, 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 I am leading the show energetically, nonverbal communication, all the things. And I am still learning, right? And I, I keep repeating this on the podcast there. Like parenting is a practice. The best thing you can do is show up, right? Just like a yoga class. Some days you show up and you can't hold tree pose to save your life, Right. Other days you're like, look at me, I'm a goddess. I can do all the bendy things, you know? But what is important is you show up and, and it's a practice and it's evolving and we make mistakes. But one thing that has been particularly irritating to me is parents who almost come to me now and say, fix it. And I'm like, okay, but yeah. we have to, what about you? And they don't quite understand how they're leading the show and their expectations, especially this like preschool age, right? So three and four, like their expectations, yep. because the kid now can say, no, they think the kid can do everything. Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. They're still brand new. <laughs> yes. Yes. So go ahead. What do you see? What do you see? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're just going to be saying yes. Yeah. So I see so much of the blame, but then also the frustration with their toddlers it's just like this cycle of like, my toddler's not listening. My toddler's having tantrums. What can I do to fix it? And it's like, one, that's what toddlers do. Right. Like I, I put you know, that let me stop like, you for a second, because one yep. thing we did this course pandemic toddlers. And one thing that came out of that and like launching that course and getting questions about it is how funky our labeling is. So when I say toddler, I literally, my basis of my work goes off of Kim John Payne, which is zero to six, you govern. 6 to 12, you garden, and 12 to 18, you guide. And so I tend to lump, when I say toddler, I don't specifically mean the toddle years. I mean, edging into preschool, yes. edging into, you know, even kindergarten. And one of the reasons I wrote, oh crap, I have a toddler. And I went back and forth. I did not love that title. I wanted, I have a three-nager and everybody thought that was too derogatory. And I was like, no, your three-year-old is going through the same process as your 13-year-old. Individuation yeah, yep. becoming their own person. I think we stymied ourselves by making it that narrow focus. But one thing I realized is there's a huge difference. The biggest thing comes between two and three. So at two, you can expect like, yes, tantrums. You can expect all these things. You know, like if your kid's hitting, you're not gonna, there's no, con no, 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 we don't hit. Like that's your approach at two. If it continues that year between two and three, now you got a preschooler who's hitting other kids. You know what I mean? So I feel like mm -hmm. that was the crucial year to address. 
So when you say toddler, are you referring to just the, like the two-year-old age or the preschool? Yeah, that's such a good point to make. Yeah. When I'm talking about toddler, I'm talking like one and a half to five is kind of my thinking. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, looking at the toddler stage of like these expectations when it's like, this is also typical toddler or preschool development, getting so frustrated with that when it's like, one, our expectations are ridiculous for this age group for toddlers. And then two, like parents are not looking at their own behavior and our behavior as parents affects our toddler's behavior so drastically. And it's not to say like, you are to blame for your toddler's behavior at all, but like your behavior really drastically affects your toddler's behavior. So if we can change your, your behavior, then your toddler's behavior is going to start to change. And in what area? Because one, uh, there's a couple of things I can think of right off the bat, which is one thing in expectations. I'm consistently shocked at how many people want their kid, like dressing themselves, doing their morning chores, getting out of the house on time. And they still have them in a crib in a sleep sack. And I'm like, like we're infantilizing and we're asking for a little too much or no, they need to sit and practice writing their name, but they're still in a diaper. No, you know what I mean? So that's what I see a lot is this like really skewed expectation. Yes. I see people expecting really high things emotionally Mm -hmm. and then babying them independence wise. Like I have clients all the time that come to me they can't do all these basic things. And they're like, oh, my toddler could do that. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) we got to teach them, but like, you got to give them a chance. But then they're like, I'm so upset that my toddler's having a tantrum or I am, you know, my toddler's having big emotions. You should expect that. Right. But also, and then I wanted to talk about like the parent's behavior. Let's Mm -hmm. kind of break this down because there's like behavior, like parental behavior, that's a lot. They're setting boundaries, right? It really comes out of my potty training work. Parents are like metaphorically following the kid around with the potty. They're letting the kid take the lead for like all the, the vibe in the house. And I see this happen when a kid gets sort of volatile, right? Or reactionary. Then everybody starts, you know, to, on their tiptoes, kind of following the kid instead of getting in front of that behavior. But I also see like modeling that has gone askew. So like parents think they're being this like super gentle parent and they have two speeds. I talk about this in my episode, Psycho Mom, which is my most downloaded episode. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. I fucking can't believe you're still doing Like I was like, whoa, we could not be zero or 60, you know? But I also think parents yes. think they're modeling when they are doing really fake now I'm going to be really calm, but then they get on the phone with their girlfriend and they're bitching or somebody cuts them off in the car and they're like, us in a blue streak, you know, like our kids are watching everything. So when you say parental behavior, like, what are you referring to? Sort of what, I mean, probably all of it, but all of the above. Yeah. So I am, I am looking at like, if you are modeling blowing up at the little things, I mean, of course of course your toddler is going to, that's what they see. They pick up on all of these little things. Right, right, right. So like looking at your behavior, but also like when you are trying to teach your toddler something and you're just yelling at them, when you're talking about like that zero to 60, I'm like, people are always like, I gentle parent the first 10 times. (laughs) And then I lose it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, no, but like you shouldn't be asking 10 times. Like you should be, and that's where like, again, parent behavior, like setting really clear boundaries that are realistic for your toddler and then supporting them, teaching them so they can actually like do the behavior that you're asking or do the direction that you're asking 
instead of like asking them 10 times while you're washing the dishes and doing this and doing this and then exploding on them that teaches them nothing and also models behavior that you really don't want. Right. And listen, I'm 54 years old. My son is 16 and a half and I still lose my shit occasionally. I'm getting incredibly better at the pause. At this point of his life, I'm really good at repair. But guys, like most adults, and I have studied communication my entire life. Like to me, it's a spiritual practice, learning how to communicate with other people, interpersonal relationships. And I still don't have full control over it all the time. So to expect a three-year-old to manage their big feelings and their behaviors. And most people, I was just talking (laughs) to a friend about it. I was like, I cannot believe how bad humans suck at communication and how we, like, this should be all we learn about in school, right? Like we can always learn math, (laughs) but like like saying your needs directly. Now, I also saw you had a great post on Instagram. Let's break down directions. Cause I think that's a really great bite that we can chew off right now of Giving directions, number one, like you said, you're, you're washing dishes and you ask somebody 10 times. You're not focused. Are they literally hearing you? Is there eye contact, right? So you're, you're giving directions sort of into the ether, right? And so your three-year-old's yeah. not exactly picking it up, right? <laughs> yeah. I think people see directions as one skill. Right. So again, like when we're looking at expectations, they're like, my child knows how to listen. Therefore, they should be able to respond Immediately to every direction I get. Right. But a lot of times, aren't our directions too vague? Like I read this post of yours that said about the specificity. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like go clean your room. It's like, okay, how do I start with that? Yeah. And I actually have a reel coming up about that. Yes. When giving directions, really looking at so so often parents, like my kid only listens when I yell. Right. And I'm like, your kid listens when you yell, because when you yell, that's when you finally probably get in their face and make eye contact and have their attention and they have your attention. Right. And so now they're like, oh, now mom's serious. So if we can, when giving directions, one, get mutual attention. So that means like you cannot be doing your makeup and also telling your toddler to do something if they're not really solid in this skill yet. So mutual attention, eye contact. Do you actually hear me? Are you paying attention or are you watching your favorite show? Right. And then a really specific, so I I use the acronym KISS. So keep it simple and specific is what I teach all of my clients. We have to be really, really simple. Stupid is really good for parents too. It's it's also good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But specific helps too. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, But yeah, so like being really specific and then being able to support them to like, okay, now I'm, you're not doing what I've asked you. I'm going to now walk you through this and actually make sure you do it versus like, telling you 10 times and you're escalating each time and your toddler's just learning that what you say doesn't really matter. Like you don't mean what you say. Right. And then you lose that. And then like the mom guilt and all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 I go through that a lot in my book because I say like, if you can say it 10 times and they listen Mm -hmm. on the 10th, then they need one. That's why I don't like that one, two, three magic. I was like, if they can do it on three, they can do it on one. But you have to do that. You have to make the eye contact. And I think what people don't realize is how spacey the three-year-old mind is. You know, like, and I always use this example and people crack up is like, you know, when you're reading a book and like your friend or your spouse is like, okay, let's go. It's time to leave. And you can like, you can hear it, but you didn't really take it in. Or you're like, you took it in and you're like, I'm going to finish this paragraph. And then imagine if they came over to you and grabbed the book out of your hand and said, I said, let's go. I would throat punch them. Like, right. right. And we do that to kids. We say it, it, it doesn't <laughs> land. And then we assume they're just ignoring us. And so that listening, so 
specific eye contact, be in close proximity, right? And yeah, then, like that mutual attention. Yep. And then also like the specific thing. So like you said, go clean your room. In my book, I use a shoe example. Go, go put your shoes on because that's such a common yeah. hot spot, you know? Go get your brown shoes in the closet and bring them to me. So that's like yeah. a clear, so you can go get it and bring it back so that they don't get lost in the playroom. They don't get, you know, like it's a, yes. it's a comeback, right? Do you have any yeah. other examples? So my four-year-old is very solid on this. So I don't have to be as specific. Right. With my two and a half-year-old, it's been like, they, yeah, the proximity is huge. So like, hey, go get your diaper in the container that we have. Yep. And like, I'm right by him and like ready to, you know, kind of turn his body or guide him to, hey, your diaper's over here. And then backing that, fading that prompt out a little bit to now, like even at two and a half, I can tell him from downstairs, go get your diaper and bring it downstairs. And then you yep. can, you know, then you can play. But it's really been that like backwards chaining of like teaching that in close proximity and then backing off. I like that too. I like the physical leg up this way because yeah, it has to be a skill that's learned, right? I think we think, oh, they can hear, they can listen, they understand words now. So we're fine. We're good. I can tell him what to do and he'll go do it. But they actually, they're like, everything's a shiny squirrel, right? So it's like here to the diaper bin is like, there's a myriad of things to stop along the way. (laughs) Yes. Well, and and you have like, again, like the brain development, like the lack of impulse control and like the actual comprehension of it and the actual skill of being able to go upstairs. And it's like going upstairs. That's like a lot of things. Now we're working on going up steps and then we have to go down the hall. You know, it's like so many things in this one little direction that parents don't think about. They're not thinking about that. And then they're just saying it over and over. You know what? I just found the best analogy. So my son and I were just talking about this. Oh, this is my dog when he was a puppy. Isn't he cute? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we were just laughing because I said, we've come to a place like I will go try to check the weather. 20 minutes later, I not only didn't check the weather, yes. but I got stuck on Instagram or I got stuck with a client or I got stuck with a communication. I have all these voice messaging apps, you know, then a friend pops in, you know, and it's midday. I should be working, but I want to answer my friend, right? And it's like 20 minutes is gone. If my mom had said, check the weather and get back to me, I'd be in so much trouble because I still don't know right. the weather. <laughs> so, right. So maybe that's how yeah. we can do it. Like your kid has just I a bunch that. of apps open. <laughs> like they're all accessible to them. Yeah. Totally. And I think the other thing is like toddlers don't have a lot of control over their days. So it's like, and we're like, do this, do this, do this without explaining it with crazy expectations, expectations that, yeah, we can't meet. Cause I do the exact same thing of like, I'm like, what was I trying to do? Why did I walk in this room? Yeah. <laughs> and then parents, yeah, parents are getting upset that their kids not meeting this expectation, but we're also not breaking it down and teaching these skills little by little. Yeah. Little by little. And that's a big thing. And so the expectations too, I find I've said this like intermittently throughout all my podcasts is There's no magical age when your kid knows these things. So I look at this with like kitchen utensils, even directions, like how to go clean your room, right? How to clean up the blocks in the living room. Like, do they even really know? Yeah, they're really good at dumping because that's a developmental need. But when you say go clean it up, they may not even know what you mean, you know? And so like these ideas that we have to really break it down. And I feel like what happens with parents is they think there's this magical age that they're going to understand and just do it. So I had worked once with a client, 
the little girl in school, it was like a Montessori kind of inspired school and they were peeling apples and she cut herself, you know? And the father was Mm -hmm. crazy. He was like, nope, that's it. I'm suing like that. She shouldn't have something like that in school if it's going to cut her. And I was like, again, I'm 54 and I cut myself with the potato peeler the other day. Like number one, it's a cutting skill. Number two, you don't turn eight and know how to use a potato peeler. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to learn that skill. And along the way, you are going to probably nick yourself. So that gave me a bigger framework of when we break down these steps. And I think with listening, parents don't think of that as an active skill, right? Or following a direction. I think parents don't think of behavior in general as a skill. Mm -hmm. Like they think of like, writing as a skill or riding right. your bike or maybe potty training, but also kind of not. And then they like have these expectations exactly of it. Like at three, my kid knows how to listen at four. My kid knows how to control their emotions. And it's like, no, these are behaviors that like we have to teach in this or these are skills that we have to teach in the exact same ways as everything else. Yeah. 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 And I'm on this new rant lately it came from a client. We were talking about like mealtimes were stressful and her just turned 22 month old was having a hard time throwing food, this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, wait, 22 months, like that's little. And she was like, no, no, no. He can sit up straight now. He should be able to just have the family meal with us. And I was like, well, 10 months ago, he was at your boob. Like that's what <laughs> yeah. you wanted. Like we got to look at like time span here. Like just cause he can sit up straight doesn't mean all the manners and all the behavior comes. And then I think what happens is this whole zero to 60, I don't know, this is going to morph into something bigger for me (laughs) because it keeps coming up. But even like, I'm really dealing with this concept, working with parents whose kids are struggling with impulse control and an extreme hitting a little bit older, we would expect at that age for them not to be hitting like this. Mm -hmm. And they all think that teaching not hitting is saying, don't hit. That would be lovely, but we're five years into this and it's not working. So maybe... You know, if you have to tell a child something a thousand times, perhaps it's not the child who is stupid, but I'm like, that's not teaching, right? Like, I think that's what's really missing in today's parenting. And we're so high on emotional wisdom and emotional literacy and emotional teaching our kids emotion and, and being empathetic, you know, but we don't actually teach it. We say, do this, be kind, be nice. What the hell does that mean? (laughs) And so I've been really digging into like, what if this were our whole lifestyle? What if these emotions, and this brings up another topic that I really wanted to discuss with you is finding the joy in the toddler stage of parenting. Because so many people are just strung out about it. And I'm like, what if all the emotions were okay? Imagine that. Like yeah. we, we say it in theory, but we don't live it, right? Like what if anger were right. just anger and it's just yeah. energy. And when we are joyful, we feel like skipping. And when we're angry, we feel like hitting. Okay, how do we get that energy out? Right? Like, what if it were all really joyful? What if we approached even the shitty emotions with like, wow, my kid's got the full range of feelings. I was never allowed to have that as a child. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a mom of two toddlers, I don't know that I feel joyful all the time about all the hitting. And t- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying on a deep <laughs> yeah, no. we're all going to go crazy. Right. Right? <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I think So much of what I do in coaching is like helping parents with their expectations. I think so much of what parents are doing is trying to stop behaviors. Like we have to stop tantrums. We have to stop hitting. We have to stop all of these things. And it's like, if you can accept that these are part of toddlerhood, 
and you can like detach emotionally from them and just see them as like, this is a developmental stage. And then going back to your point about teaching, we do have to teach and we are totally missing that. That is a huge part of my program is I'm like, you can't just say, don't hit, you have to teach. Okay. Well, what can they do? What should they be doing? Because behavior is communication. So you have to teach them the behavior you want. It all comes down to teaching. And I think most people don't know how to teach. And so I, I work on that a lot, but finding the joint parent in, uh, you know, in the toddler stage, I think so much is detaching from your toddler's emotions, because if you are attached to your toddler's emotions, that's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of, yeah. Do you find that recently, do you find like more enmeshment than in past years? I feel like there's something happening and maybe it's so much goes back to social media that somehow we've become like motherhood is now our identity. That's it. That's all we are. And so there's this enmeshment. Literally, I say that you got to listen to my potty training podcast. Cause I'm like, could we stop with I'm devastated? This is pee and poop on the potty. So parents will be like, I'm yeah. devastated. Mm-hmm. I'm at the very end of my parenting <laughs> rope. And I'm like, let's bring that down a little bit. And then they say things like this. Well, we had four poops today and I'm like four poops on the floor. And I'm like, no, we didn't. That's the very first thing I tell parents. As soon as they start saying, we took a nap today, I say, no, 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 no. Let's separate that out. Your child took a nap. Your child had four poops on the floor. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's why you didn't. (laughs) sure you didn't. But I think that's one of the things, like we're Mm over-identifying with our kids. So then everything is personal. If they throw a tantrum, clearly I fucked them up. Clearly. I'm going to have a sociopath. (laughs) Yeah, I see that so often where parents, you know, and then they're like, like their toddler has a tantrum and hours later, they're still upset about it because they are so emotionally attached to their toddler's feelings. Yes. And like, I used to call it the roller coaster stage. And lately I've been calling it the whiplash stage because I mean, my two and a half year old, he will be like, I'm so happy. And I'm like, oh my God, if I got attached to his emotions, like I would be spinning out. Yeah. you cannot Let me give you, you a little advice. Have... You're going to get a little break and then it's going to come back in the teens. You're like, what just happened? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's awesome. But like, they almost have Tourette's with like the sarcasm yes. and like the eye rolling. Yes. And like, and then the next thing is like, oh mom, you're just so great. Thank you so much for all you do. And you're like, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep up. Well, and, and yeah, and I find when parents are like stuck, it's like, then they just get stuck in this tantrum. And it's like that tantrum was five minute, maybe it even was a 30 minute thing, but it wasn't your whole day. So now you end up losing that joy and losing, like being able to find these small moments that really like are the special parts of toddlerhood. And that I think is a huge part of what makes people not enjoy the toddler stage and not finding the joy. Yeah. Whereas if you can like see it as like, this is my toddler and this is my toddler's behavior and their emotions, it's not my emotions. And it's not a direct reflection of my value as a person. Right. And there's something so beautiful about the whiplash Mm -hmm. stage for the kids because they're so, like toddlers are forgiving, man. Like if you lose your shit on them and then next thing you know, you're hugging and saying, sorry, they are good. They don't need to process it. They're like, good. So I have this really funny story that happened with my dog. I have a puppy and the puppy brought me right back to toddler, right? Like what the hell is in your <laughs> yeah. mouth? What are you doing? <laughs> right? well, I just poop on the floor. <laughs> yeah. 
He potty trained really well. <laughs> I, think, I think probably just because I have a tiny house and the door is always right there. But I live in the woods and next to me, we live on a ledge. So there's hills and the best sledding in the county is right next to my house. So it was snowing and the dog was outside and he's got an e-collar. He's real good. He stays by the house. So I'm in the kitchen doing something. I look out, I don't see him. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So I call him. He doesn't come. So I go outside at Maverick, nothing. I'm quiet for a minute. I can hear in the distance, I can hear the kids laughing because they're sledding, right? And I said, oh, this little son of a bitch. So I take my truck, I go to the hill, I get out, it's super crowded. I was like, hey, has anybody seen a rambunctious black dog? And they're like, oh yeah, my dog is living his best life with these kids. He's on sleds. They all love him. He's like, oh my like out of a dog movie. And I am pissed. So I'm like, Maverick. first of all, he like doesn't even look at me. He like is purposely <laughs> avoiding me, right? I'm yelling at him. I finally get him. I get him in the truck and he's like, mm, I'm sorry, you know? And I am mad. We get home and we get out of the car and he almost starts to take off again. And I am, I'm like screaming, like, oh, you're such a, you know, I'm so irritated. <laughs> so then I was like, what are you doing, Jamie? This would never work with a kid. Like, what are you doing? This is a puppy. So then I was like, Maverick, come here. I'm sorry. He came right over to me. I gave him the love, right? Because my being mad at him on top of his bad behavior wasn't fixing the bad behavior. It was making it worse. Then I realized that was five minutes ago. This dog is so done with whatever he did. He knew he was sorry when he got in the car, but that is over. And it really, to me, I was like, oh, (laughs) this is toddlers and challenging behavior, right? Because it's done. So, and I think the biggest mistake we do is try to process it afterward. The kid has a 30 minute tantrum and then the parents are like, okay, well, next time that happens and I'm like, oh my God, it's so gone for these little guys. Like that was so in the morning, they don't remember. You know what I mean? I agree. And I also, I have parents go through it on their own, not like with their toddlers, but of like, how could we have done things better, but not like being attached emotionally, but just like, Hey, like, how could we have set this up better? Like we had a a shit show of a night the other night. Like, Oh my God. I was like, I might be failing totally at parenting. And I don't have a lot of these moments, but I was just like, maybe my kid needs a psychologist. Maybe I've totally failed, you know, like, you know, occasionally I have those. And and my husband, actually, I have coached him so well. (laughs) So he was like, think we could have done this and this and this. And I don't feel like we set the situation up for success. And I was like, you're the best. But I was like, this is what coaching does. It's like not looking at it of like blaming, but just like, Hey, how could we make things better in the future? But also we're not like stuck in that and we're not stuck in the emotions of it. Once I got past, like I've totally fucked up my kid being able to like think forward to like, okay, how can we do better in the future? Yeah. 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 I think that's really key. And that's even now with Pascal, we can actually do it together too. You know, I'm I'm just releasing a podcast I had on Patreon about like my most horrible recent mom moment and what we could do, you know, and it's really, you could just back it up and be like, Oh, when you interrupted me, I should have said something, you know, we could really pull it apart. And then come up mm-hmm. with solutions together. So, but you can't do that with yeah. a toddler, obviously. But yeah, detaching yeah. from the emotion. If the psychotic toddler is leading the emotional climate of the house, you're fucked. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're, you are, you're gonna break uh, yeah, you're, well, and I think it is. And I think so much of social media, especially has pushed this like validating your kids' emotions 
And people are now walking on eggshells trying to avoid all of the tantrums. And I tell clients, I'm like, you cannot keep your toddler happy. And it is not your job to keep your toddler happy. Like all the time, you can, you cannot. And if you do, you're going to end up walking on eggshells all the time and your toddler will have complete control of the house's emotions. And we don't want that. Because again, we're talking the whiplash, the whiplash stage. Well, not only that, but um, what I find is that number one, you end up with an entitled kid. Number two, toddlers are hardwired to want control because they don't have it. But then when they get it, they don't know what to do with it. So they are literally keep pushing. I always use the example of like, by the time they get older, they're the teens you see on the Dr. Phil show who have to go to these boot camps because the parents keep skewing the boundary. They keep moving it because you get scared of the child, right? But then the child is like, when are you going to tell me no? Because you got to tell me no, because I need to hear, you know, they're going to keep leaning in till you set the boundary. Yes. They need and want and respond well to boundaries. Yeah. You said the magic word. So let's dig in. Gentle parenting. (laughs) I have thoughts. All the rage. (laughs) You want to go first to me. You can go first. Well, you know what I wanted to say? I wanted to address before I forget the very thing you said about gentle parenting and stopping feelings. When we don't let a tantrum, anger, all these, what we associate as negative emotions, when we don't let them run their course, we stop it. And that's actually where trauma is formed, right? It's usually not the event itself. It's that the person wasn't allowed to run their cycle. And so we stop it. And it's like the antithesis of gentle parenting. So I see this you know, we can use the very common, like you cut my sandwich the wrong way. So the kid starts having a meltdown about it. And some people's perception of gentle parenting is like, okay, okay. They think that gentle parenting, I think means a peaceful house, but your kid is always going to lose their shit and you're always going to lose your shit. So you won't always have a peaceful house, but then what you do Mm -hmm. is you stop the feeling. You know, anytime a kid is starting to escalate and you say, how about you go to the calm corner, which I'm against, what you're saying is stop your feeling. And that's not gentle parenting, right? Like gentle parenting would be like, letting it run its course and learning how to titrate those emotions or flow the energy faster. What do you want to say about gentle parenting? (laughs) So I like a lot of gentle parenting. However, I think it has gone so far and I think social media has not helped that at all. And I think it has become so much permissive parenting. And I think what people take it to mean is like, if you are saying things in a calming, loving way, like that's gentle parenting, period. Right, right. Like back to the like, I gentle parent the first 10 times. That's not gentle parenting. Right. That's not right. gentle parenting. Gentle parenting to me is like letting your child have their emotions. So like, yeah, you cut the sandwich the wrong way and you let them have their feelings about it. And your behavior doesn't change, meaning like you don't now go make another sandwich. Right. My in-laws, my kids were over at their house and I had gone out for a little bit. I came back and my mother-in-law's like, Bubby, and that's what we call my my two and a half year old. Bubby's on his second sandwich. He didn't like how I cut the first one. And now I have to make him another one because he doesn't like how I cut this one. And I was like, are you shitting me? I thought you were going to say you cut them all like circles, stars, triangles, squares. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was going that direction, but I was like, no, he can be upset about the way you cut it. And you can be like, okay with his feelings and let him have his feelings, but you're not making him a new sandwich. Are you kidding me? But also, can we just pause for a moment? Cause that same woman, that's your mother-in-law. Yeah. 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 There's no way your husband got a second sandwich. (laughs) 
this is a grandmother thing. <laughs> and she said that to me. She's like, I know, I know. I would never have done this with my kids. I'm like, then stop doing it with mine. I'm like, you're not, because the thing is, it wasn't about the sandwich. It was about like the boundary. And like, I guarantee she could have made him 10 sandwiches and he was tired. He was going to melt down no matter what. And he probably would have gone back to the original sandwich. Right. Yeah. But those grandmothers, they're about the love. <laughs> they are. But I see a lot of parents doing this yes, as well. Absolutely. Of like now, and now they're like, I have to go like get the right color plate out of the dishwasher and wash it by hand because otherwise they're going to have a meltdown. I'm like, they're going to probably have a meltdown either way. Right. So you can validate their feelings without changing your behavior. Well, and I also like that I tried to gentle parent the first, I gentle parent the first 10 times. I really like that as an example. Okay. So my version of gentle parenting is in the ideal world is that we have done all our work, our trauma work, our value systems work. So we know ourselves so well that we don't get activated and triggered by our children's emotions, by what they say to us. Like I have parents literally melting down because their three-year-old said they hate them. And I'm like, you went for a long haul for the rest of childhood. Like you oh can't be God. devastated because your kid threw those words at you. Like they don't know how to swear. My yet. two and a half year old yesterday told me I was the meanest mommy ever. Yeah. And, so and I we, was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't be reactive, right? And so that yeah. calm, gentle voice isn't fake. It's because I am completely regulated. That is a uh, sticks and stones may hurt my bones. You know, your names will never hurt me. You know, it's these moments yeah. where it's, but what I don't like about people trying to layer gentle parenting concepts onto their own wounds is that it's a band aid mm-hmm. and you're going to leak right through it. And so that's a fake approach. If you've done it 10 times and then you, in the same breath, you can say, my kids only listen when I yell. What means to me is you haven't titrated. You're faking it. And so you're not modeling real life emotion. Like there's nothing, you you have to model, I'm getting frustrated because this is happening, right? So at five gentle parentings, you should be already getting frustrated. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, (laughs) yeah, out slowly because you're faking it. And you're never going to get the behavior you want from a kid when you're faking it because they can smell that shit a mile away. They know when you're not regulated and when you're not being sincere. Yeah, that is so true. And I always, I don't think I thought thought about it exactly that way, but I agree completely. And I tell parents all the time, I'm like, you're allowed to have your feelings. And the same way your toddler is, like, it's all about how you express them. So like, on my social media, I'm very honest. And like I posted today, I was like, my kids sucked the other day <laughs> and they didn't actually, I understand the why da, 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 da. Also like they were just really annoying me and like, it was frustrating. And yep. sometimes I feel frustrated and sometimes, and I tell my kids, I'm like, God, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. You know, this is upsetting me. This is making me mad. Right. And then I think that's where, that's where I'm missing that component. Again, going back to like, not the joyful part of parenting where like, you're going to be like sunshine and rainbows, but I think there's a deep connective joy in sharing that with your children, because then that's the missing piece of hit. You're hitting, stop hitting. You're being unkind, be kind. What we're not teaching in between there is, oh my God, I'm so frustrated. Is my face getting red? I feel I need a minute to calm down. You guys just can everybody sit and like, just let's put our hands on the floor and breathe. Mm. Oh, okay. You know, and then reflecting back to them, all the things like, oh man, when I get frustrated, I, oh, I can hardly breathe. I feel it in my chest. So we start teaching, where does it live somatically? Where does it live in our focus in the room? You know, like, oh my goodness, I can barely see right now. I'm going to 
I'm going to close my eyes and breathe. So we start teaching that the middle where it's (laughs) totally, totally. Yeah. I think it's absolutely missing. And I think the scripts and I have, I have parents all the time. They're like, the scripts don't work for me, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just dying laughing because I fucking hate scripts. And I have a couple of assistants who are like, you know what? Scripts would be great in this scenario. And I was like, no, because parents don't do them right. I work on a walkie talkie app with clients. I have to, because you have to hear my voice because if you're not feeling a script innately, if it's not who you are, you're going to say it like the wrong way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. And, and there are scripts are very one size fits all and not looking at all of the situations. And, and I agree they're often not genuine. So yeah, if you're like using the script 10 times, but you're actually like about to lose your shit completely. And then the 10th time, yeah. Like, yeah and I think too, in those moments, like losing your shit, like that would be like, <laughs> wow, I'm so frustrated. Like I almost feel like I could hit somebody. I'm not gonna. Cause I don't hit mm-hmm. people. Like, I think that's a really good moment. Right. And I yeah. think to say those words, like we might give them ideas or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I find my kids like now they always on the, it makes me laugh on the way home from school. They're often melting down, but my four-year-old would be like, I am so angry. I'm going to hit you when I get home. And I'm like, cool. Like, I like the fact that you're telling me that. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, say yeah. cool, but I'm like, I hear you. You're really angry. Like, what are you angry about? And then we can talk about it. But like, she's not hitting She's telling me, she's like getting her feelings out. And I'm like, this is great to me. That's a huge win. And I think just like in our society, it's like the idea of being upset or yes, any of these negative emotions is like, we shouldn't talk about that. We shouldn't even be feeling that or thinking that like, we shouldn't think like, I don't like my kid right now because then you're a bad mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I, I don't like my kids. That's a parent sometimes. sometimes with the, especially with like poop withholding, it gets very hard for our parents. And I'll be like, mm-hmm. listen, I know you love this kid to the moon and back, but there's no way you like this kid right now. And they're like, it's so true. It's so true. I don't. It's okay. Let's just say the words and get them out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. It's adults. We don't feel comfortable saying that. Yeah. That goes back to that concept I said too, of the joy, like of, coming to grips with the idea that we all have these ugly emotions, right? Or not even ugly, that's pejorative. We have the range of emotions. And so we keep putting these yeah. ugly, challenging, bad, we keep trying to put a euphemism on them, right? Like challenging, <laughs> but, but we yeah. know what we're talking about and that they're just part of, they're part of life in the developing brain. Yeah. As an adult, you're going to have these emotions. So like, let's teach people to deal with them. But first you have to learn how to deal with them. We've come full circle. <laughs> So we're right back to parent behavior affects all toddlers. <laughs> that was a long way to say that, but yep, that's pretty much yeah. it. <laughs> and you guys make sure, uh, you know, both Sarah and I, before we started recording, when we say it's parent behavior, well, it's not to say this is all your fault, right? Like kids, they can be really shitty, you know, just because of everything that's developing, how fast it's going, their skin's inside out, everything's so new. So we're not saying you're to blame but it's almost like any sort of trauma, right? Like you're not responsible for their behavior, but you are responsible for healing, right? You like, we're not responsible for our trauma, but we are responsible for healing ourselves. And same thing with the kids. Like we have to keep our behavior in check. Yes. Well, and, and the way I kind of describe it completely, like it's not to blame. And I think if you can kind of like change your mindset of like, it's not my fault, but to empower yourself of like, you can only control another person so much. 
but you can learn to control yourself. And to me, that's empowering. I'm like, okay, well I can control myself or at least I can learn to versus like feeling no control over this other person and then being super frustrated about it. Right. And taking ownership of what could I have done better? What actually is my fault, right? Because you can't control another behavior, but you can look and say, did I set this up right? Did I give this kid half a chance to be themselves? And back in the day, I used to wait tables. I'm the queen of analogies, by the way. So I used to wait tables and, you know, occasionally somebody would stiff one of us, you know, not tip. And I remember a coworker saying, you know, oh, those jerks, they didn't leave me a tip. And I was like, yeah, but you're in a foul mood. Like, were you a good waitress? And they were like, mm-hmm. well, it shouldn't matter. And I was like, well, if they didn't leave you a tip, you might want to look at, did you wait tables in a good manner? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I know occasionally I would get not tipped. And I was like, oh yeah, I was an asshole to them. No wonder they didn't leave me a tip. Like we have to look at our own behavior and we have to look at setting up the scenario, you know, making sure Yeah. my mom told me this and it was give the kid half a chance to be their best self. She's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not good. You can't let your kids stay up late and expect them to be good the next day. You can't give them yeah. food and expect them to have impulse control. The things we can control, there's a lot we can't. Yeah. So let's fix the things we can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was like the other night with like my awful night is when we looked at it, like I was very frustrated. I was very frustrated with my daughter. Break it down. Break, break it. Can you break it down right. for us? What you and yeah, you want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear the so, whole So she came home from school and she had, I know this about my daughter. She is very triggered when she is tired. Most toddlers are, right? So she was already very, very highly emotional. And I had planned to put her to bed. My four-year-old. Okay. So I had planned to put her to bed early. So I went to put her down whatever time on the earlier side. My son, and looking back, I'm like, you know, hit my head. Like, come on. But- in the moment, it seemed like a good, good thing. So <laughs> my two and a half year old needed a haircut. So my husband was cutting his hair. And when he cuts his hair, he lets him watch a show on the iPad. So I go and I'm like, okay, Grace, you're going to go up to bed. Bobby's getting a haircut. So she sees her two-year-old brother watching a show, right? like her favorite thing in the world and staying up later. And I was like, well, he took a nap. Like he's staying up a little bit later. Rational attempt logic in this hot moment. Right. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, and that's why I'm like, we're all gonna mess up, right? And like if you can look at it like detached from your own emotions, now I'm like, oh yeah, probably didn't set that up well. (laughs) So then I go upstairs, I'm like, you have to go to bed. And she continues to come out and I got frustrated. Okay. And then she was melting down hardcore, like crying, screaming saying all the quote unquote mean things that just four-year-olds are experimenting with, with the big words. And I actually kept my cool very well, but I was frustrated. And I was like, she melted down so long. That's when I was like, oh my God, maybe there's something wrong with her. Like she shouldn't have melted down this long. And that's my husband was like, well, we kind of took like a situation that we already knew that she was on the brink. And then we kind of threw gas on a fire. Right. And I was like, yeah, I get that. You're right. Yeah. That probably wasn't a reasonable expectation to be like, when you're already super upset, now we're going to have you see your, your little brother watching a show and be like, but you have to go to bed. What would you right? have done differently? Like, how would you guys have, if you could just do it over again? 
I think I would have not done my son's haircut because waiting a day would be fine. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, Right. It's a haircut. It's not desperate. So I would have not done that. And then if he was going to stay up later, I would have had him where it wasn't visible. So it wasn't like Mm -hmm. rubbing it in her face. And the other thing we did. So again, this was just like a a whole ball of things that we could have done differently is usually my husband puts her to bed and we do swap off and on, but often he puts her to bed and I put my son to bed and we switched it up that night. So again, it was like a difference of like, we're in her mind. She's like, daddy puts me to bed. And then I was like, nope, I'm putting you to bed. So I would have had him put her to bed because that was just not the time to be working on like flexibility with bedtime when Mm -hmm. she's already like a hot mess. So I would have had my husband put her to bed. And I think had we done just those things, it would have been a completely different scenario. Yep. But I'm able to look at it afterwards without... I mean, I had that moment of like, oh my God, maybe I've totally fucked up my kid. But once I like detach from that, I'm like, okay, there are a lot of things that we could have done differently. And I can say that without guilt or shame. And I can kind of be like, yeah, you know, kind of laughing. Like that was not really the best setup for success. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think parents need more options too. So like for me, what I work on with clients is in moments like that, I say a lot of parents struggle with siblings coming into the house from different things. You know, your son might be coming Mm -hmm. from preschool. She's coming from or daycare, preschool work, and you've got this convergence. And I have this one mom, God love her. I said, okay, how about for a half hour when everybody gets home, everybody watches a show. How about we collapse into the living room and everybody watches a show. So everybody can decompress instead of that. Like I'm going to cook. You're going to play with Legos. You're going to color. Everybody's going to be behaved. And then we're going to eat as a family. It's going to be fucking great. Like that (laughs) never really works. Right. So I was like, how about if we all have a moment of decompression or, you know, in that moment, like there's future casting of like, Oh wait, we're thinking logically. She's not going to think logically, but then also like when you could see she was getting up, like maybe catching the moment there. (laughs) Right. Which is like, oh shit, maybe I should just let her watch the show with the hair. You know, like we can adjust. Yeah. I think we also, as parents, we get stuck in like, nope, I said she's going yes. to bed and she's going to bed and he's getting a haircut. And so we have a hard time jumping our own track. And then this is guys, this is what I mean with like a practice. So like taking this example or like my example on my podcast of my horrible mom moment, What we don't want to do is say, oh, I fucked it up, right? And I know what I did. But what we want to do is we want to catch these moments sooner. So maybe the next time you might still have a shit show, right? But you'll catch it so that maybe the meltdown's not so long. Or then maybe the next time after, you know, maybe after 10 times, you'll be like, she's really tired. How can I make this evening as easy as possible for her? Just in a gentle way, right. not in a like appease her, keep her happy. But right. like, if she needs to land softly in the house, how can I do that? And that's how I view it is like, can I catch these when we pull apart these scenarios where we all get, we lose our shit. If we could just catch it a little bit sooner, a little bit sooner, pretty soon they're not happening. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, I've kind of stayed away now or like veering away from like gentle parenting more. It's really more intentional parenting. And it's like exactly what you're saying of being able to catch your own emotions, being able to like figure out what your kids' triggers are and being able to prevent them if possible. But also, yes, like change directions as needed and just to be more intentional each time. But I mean, yeah, we, we all screw up. And I think there's this idea that like, if you're like a gentle parent, like you have to be perfect now all the time and never lose it. And it's like, 
Well, that's a very unrealistic expectation to put on yourself. Yeah. I also like responsive parenting because I feel like that really also takes care of validating emotions without giving into the thing. Right. So yeah. 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 Dude, I totally hear you. This sucks. Yeah. I hate triangles too. And that's how I cut your sandwich. So tomorrow we'll talk about squares. You know, like you don't have to, right? but you're still responsive. I did want to bring up you guys, yeah. and I don't want to be a broken record because I am probably one of the last people on the planet who thinks tech isn't killing our kids, but this is going to get in your way. So especially if you've been working all day and your kid comes home from school, put your fucking phone away for a while because this makes you half-ass parent. This makes you distracted parenting. And this is what's responsible for not necessarily picking up on I know my own habit. If I'm doing nine things on this, I'm going to be like, Mm-mm, my kid's going to bed early and the other one's getting a haircut. Like I'm not picking up on the actual vibe and I'm, I'm just using that as an yeah. example. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know, but I'm not going to pick up on the nuances of what's happening in the house and how I might have to shift the household behavior or the culture just for the night, totally. you know? Well, and I even noticed, and this again is like intentional or responsive, whatever it is. I realized about myself recently, I was like, when my kids are being quote unquote bad, so let's say fighting more or just being super whiny or, you know, whatever it is, I was going and looking at my phone as an escape mechanism. And then I was like being really reactive and I was like throwing out directions and then guess what? My kid's behavior got worse. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was able to be like, Oh, and take a step back. So now I know when they get that way, my first inclination is to just like dive into my phone and bury my head in my, in the virtual sand. Right. Yep. So now I know when they are having a hard day, I really need to put my phone away even more so than usual and be fully present. And then what shockingly their behavior changes. Yeah. I think that's so important. And it's like, I get it. Like if your kids are at the playground and you're scrolling your phone, like we all need our break. And this is the best fucking thing ever invented this phone. Like I can't the even- best slash worst. Oh, it's so great in so many ways, right? And the internet can be so great in so many ways, but I think that intentionality is key, right? Like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm hitting a hot spot of the day. This can't be my escape right now because I'm going to miss so much it's that distracted parenting, right? Like when you find yourself going, uh-huh. Oh yeah. Good job. You're not paying mm-hmm. attention, whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? So you want to be very intentional about it and not, not use it as an escape in those moments, you know, maybe at yeah. night the kids are in bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, totally. Yeah. And I think that's like, when, again, when we're going back to like the, the joy of the toddler stage, it's like the toddler stage, the joy to me comes in these really small moments. Yeah. Like the funny things they say, like my kids, I was, I was just on a podcast actually right before this. And we were talking about my kids call when the reason they remember things so well is elephant remembers. And I'm like, you know, like the little tiny things that they say are so cute, but like, there's things like going on a walk with my kids and like stopping to collect acorns and answer all of their questions about like, why is the sky blue? And look at the stick. And my kids spent 10 minutes looking at a string on the ground. And I'm like, that to me is the joy of toddlerhood. And if you are not intentional, you will miss it. And then you will be focused on all the the shitty hard parts because there are a lot of hard parts, but. Or you'll be focused on now I need to make memories because no, we made memories when you looked at the string for 10 minutes. (laughs) People are overcompensating 
by trying to do all of the big things. And then they're showing up really, really stressed out. And they're like, we have to have fun. We have to have family fun time and family quality time. And then it backfires and everybody's miserable. And then they're like, we never have fun. I'm like, but you could literally go look at a string for 10 minutes or a I dead think, Yeah, the joy for me comes in <laughs> in those like super connected moments. And it's funny because mm-hmm. I talk to my son all the time and I'm like, boy, the internet experience of teenagers is so different from my experience here in my home because we're like so connected and mm-hmm. like it just, it warms your heart. And, you know, I hate to attach the emotion to this, but you feel like a good mom because you are a good mom. Like you're connected, you know? To me, it's that quiet joy, right? It it's is. not a leprechaun. It's not dance. flashy. Yeah. We were, I'm, I'm sitting right now at the bar in my kitchen, looking into my kitchen. So it reminded me the other night, my husband and I both were sitting on the counter. We both had our legs up on the island and eat, there was a kid on each of our laps, just like sitting on our legs and like bouncing. And it was just like, everybody was cracking up and it was so much fun. And our whole family just felt so connected. And I'm like, it wasn't flashy. Nobody saw it. It wasn't posted on social media. Yeah. And it like, it's like choking me up because I'm like, those yeah. small moments are like what bring me so much joy. And to your point, make me feel like such a good mom. Yeah. But you have to slow down and, and be present and be intentional to even notice those moments. Yeah. Or to even I, get them. Yeah. I have moms do on their calendar. I make them do gold stars. Because we tend to forget too, right? Like we forget that we had five really precious moments today. We only remember mm-hmm. the tantrum. So I'm like, uh, 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 right there, put a gold star. And I want you to write next to it what it was. So I have them fill out their own little behavior chart so they can remember how many good moments they had. I love the star. I do the similar of like, you have to find your wins. Yeah. And what I find is the more that people are finding, looking for the wins, the more they find their wins. And part of it's like they're being more intentional, but it also is like behaviorally. If you're looking for wins, you find wins and then you reinforce wins and then they happen more often. Yeah. And I think we've gotten like, I don't know if it's the social media, like we have to show we're good moms, but I also think we've gotten terrible. You tell me all the things. A lot of times when I start working with a client, like, tell me yesterday, when did you feel like a fucking awesome mom? And they'll be like, well, you know, it's not much, but I, you know, I did this thing and my son like got on my lap and he was really cute about it. I was like, that's a win. Let's take it. Yeah. We're not used to like owning somehow we look down on that. Like you're bragging. I want to hear it. I want to hear your brags in the gym. I want to know what race you ran. I want to know when you've been a good mom. Like I want to hear your moments. (laughs) I want to hear when you were proud of yourself, you know? We could do a whole podcast just on this because I agree. And I see like when you go in like a mom Facebook group or you go on Instagram, all you see is venting and negative. And I think it's like the toxic positivity has now gone completely the other way. And it's like, there is a middle ground. And I try to show that. And it's hard to show it on social media of like, you know what? My kids suck today. Today, I lost one of my kids. And also here were all the moments that were so fun and full of joy. And I love the toddler stage. I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too far. I like that. I like showing the boat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll definitely have you back because we're at over an hour. And so (laughs) uh, we got to (laughs) go. Yes. (laughs) But thank you so much. I did want to leave with this because you brought it up with the rough night you had with your kids. I did want to close out with my secret for that, which is literally my child does not have a college fund. My child has a therapy fund. And I would have loved my parents, the trauma they inflicted on me so much more if they had offered to pay for my 20 years of therapy, or at least some of it. 
So like bookmark some money, or at least say in your, your mind, Hey, if my kid needs therapy, I'll help pay for it. And let me tell you something, it instantly puts you into a place of like, Oh yeah, I'm going to mess this up for sure. In some way, shape or form, but I'm going to also take accountability for it when the time comes, if I have to. And it really did. I love it. I started it when, it when I was pregnant with him and it's made me feel so good. Of course, I work on repair. I work on not doing right. any damage in general, but I'm like, I'm going to also take responsibility for my actions if they end up fucking up. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I totally expect. And, and I would encourage whether they think I fucked up or not, yeah. they should go to therapy. But I love that idea of paying for it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Sarah, so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. This was wonderful. We could literally talk for hours. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, we'll do it again. Definitely. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye, everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have... Oh crap, I have a toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. <laughs> you can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also, I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.